Hey everyone. Hey everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Eigen Bros. Today we have a fellow Eigen Ket, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yes, and uh, Sahana, and she's actually maybe, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sahana. Um, I'm an astrophysicist and one of their friends, and uh, excited to be here today and have a funnest discussion about astronomy and time and all sorts of crazy stuff. All kinds of good stuff. So yeah. yeah. And um, planet. Say, I say my name actually. Nah, people know your name, dude. You get <laughs> who are you? Terrence, by the way. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we we actually had you know we, we if you want to get salacious, we talked a little bit about uh, planet uh, some unknown planet in the solar system. The nemesis. Yeah. yeah. Well, it has a lot of code names in the community. So we got a little conspiratorial. Yeah, <laughs> UFOs. You know, that's kind of cool. You know, there's probably gonna be a follow up episode. So look up. I know there's some of you uh, UFO heads yeah. itching for uh, you know alien video or something. Yeah, so, so hopefully you get a little bit of a taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, okay, we're excited to to get her on the next show. But for this one, Indeed. go ahead and listen, like, subscribe, mm-hmm. share, share. Oh yeah, share. Also follow fun. us on Twitter. So that's at eigenbros uh, at eigenbros on Twitter. And then eigenbros.com is the website. And um, Sahana also has her pod, or she did a podcast with our friends Beyond the Physics. Mm-hmm. So if you want more of a, you know, another podcast more, um, that one is, yeah, it's Beyond the Physics. You can find them at, what is it, Beyond underscore Physics on Twitter. And I'm pretty yeah, sure guys, they have a webpage too. Do they now? Yeah, yeah, okay. check it out. So was it BeyondThePhysics.com? Probably, I don't okay. know. I don't know if Joe has that kind of money to buy domains, but it's a hard life. Check out yeah, Beyond yeah, the yeah. Physics. Joe and Irene uh, and yeah. I had a fun conversation. On yeah. Podcast Did you guys too. have wine and cheese too? Uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> nice. See, they're so fancy over there. See, we're not so, that low. We're not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So um, yeah, it's going to be a good episode, and uh, stay tuned. All right, three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Hello, to everybody. Another, to another episode. Yes, uh, special episode today. Special episode. Yes. Actually, more than extraordinary. We so. have our first elegant lady guest. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sahana. Yes, Sahana. Yeah, so uh, she's an esteemed astronomy student. Yes. Yeah, graduate student. Mm-hmm. So she's going to actually tell us a little bit about, like, I guess, what it means to be an astronomer, because mm-hmm. we, we, we were asking that question last time, right? We sure, like, yeah. I was like, what the hell do astronomers do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, it's it's like, I mean, wouldn't you say, Sahana, like, astronomy is kind of a different physics than, like, a lot of other stuff. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. a it's d- done in a different way, and I feel like astronomers have a very different vibe than a lot of other physicists. Yeah. 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 Like, you guys are a lot cooler than us. Yeah. We actually had this You're the one who said it, not us, me, us, so us yes. Ner- <laughs> us nerdier, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like, uh, I, I, yeah, there are certain... Fields that are much more nerdier than others, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, theoretical is that kind of thing. But, right. Um, and uh, actually, um, Sahana was on um, the Beyond the Physics podcast. So true. if you guys check haven't that seen that one yet, you know, mm-hmm. that's our friends as well, uh, Joe and Irene. So mm-hmm. you can check out her more in-depth interview there. Yes. More of a personal one. Um, ours is kind of more casual. We don't give a damn. Goofy. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, like, Excellent. say whatever, you know. We yeah. can talk about anything here pretty yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it's a good. It was a good interview. I I I listened to like half of it. Um, I could I wanted to listen to more, but it was it was good. And you kind of you, went into like um, 
uh, some things about being a woman in physics, and then also talking about aliens and <laughs> one of my favorite so, yeah. topics. Yeah. Oh so hell yeah, you're in the cool right place. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did two videos on aliens. So yeah, awesome. we we yeah. like we we wish we could do more about it. It's like uh, uh, what is it? They're actually what was it? The Navy just announced that they published like actual UFO videos. Do you guys yeah, see that? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Whoa. we might, we might have even got to get into it. <laughs> and no one cared. <laughs> yeah, no one cared. We're like, no, you know, you know, Michio Kaku. Yeah. He actually was like, we actually have some real hard evidence or some real, um, what would you say? Like real, um, certified. I don't want to call it evidence. Cause it's still like, it's still like the bare minimum of evidence, Maybe right? For compelling arguments. Yes, exactly. So uh-huh. he is like the, we have the first like compelling arguments for UFOs. And that's like a big deal, I think, Yeah, for Absolutely. a physicist to say that. And I mean, yeah. Michio Kaku, I mean, people make fun of him and say he's kind of off the rails now because he's mm-hmm. talking about fucking, you know, shooting your brain and lasers across space and shit. But Sex with robots, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, he's still, I mean, he's still, he's still there. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. You, know you gotta have crazy ideas sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta be crazy to believe that strings like make up the universe. You know? Yeah. No, nah, I'm just crazy. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, but, um. Yeah, that was kind of like whoa. Like the community was was a little bit like some of the people that follow this stuff were like, "This is kind of a big deal that they mm-hmm. announced yeah. that." Um, but those crazy people always say that. Like, it's yeah, more big a deal yeah. When a physicist actually says. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Well, I mean, especially when the the go- like the government government says yeah. we really have no clue what this is. Like, I mean, what do you think about that, Sana? Do you like? Do you think it's legit, or do you see anything kind of like? Is there anything that gives you pause? What gave me pause was that, like, I personally did not see that huge of a reaction. Like, it kind of got swept under the rug after a few days, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of telling about, like, the state of public opinion right now. Like, I feel (laughs) like this was maybe five, ten years ago. We'd be hearing about it for much longer. Oh, you think? Um, Yeah, yeah. But, like, the fact that it kind of got swept under the rug and the fact that people weren't, like, suddenly, like, oh, my God, the like air force or the u.s government has suddenly changed their decades-long stance mm-hmm. yeah. on ufos and aliens so quickly yeah and kind of out of the blue um like just the silence around it is what i find interesting but did they actually claim the government claimed that it was actually extraterrestrial i'm not sure they can never say dude i yeah. don't think they can say that i think they can just say unidentified okay yeah like but they just are now origin. like saying it with a more serious like this could actually be extraterrestrial no i don't think they not, ever say that we're yeah, not even know. saying like it could be mm, maybe maybe not. I, I don't think they could ever use that language i just think because it's because then people will just run with that and say oh they yeah. said yeah. it i yeah. think it's implied by the fact that it's unidentified or unknown origin yeah. so aliens are a possibility and like okay because that is the most exciting possibility or the fact that we can't really <laughs> yeah you know if we could trace it to earth or something like that then yeah. it wouldn't have unknown origins so right that yeah. is the sort of the catch-all possibility that is the most exciting and yeah allows the most room for explanation right right yeah that makes sense so i guess yeah the un- unidentified part kind of already takes care of that mm-hmm. so okay yeah fair enough because then yeah yeah it's 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 kind of nuts yeah, we got people on our comments still asking us to do alien videos. I'm like, guys, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we got we got a lot of videos to potentially do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, specifically the Bob Lazar one. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a video on Bob Lazar. Do you oh, know him? More pop, mm-hmm. most popular oh, video. Sana. So you're about to um, <laughs> you're <laughs> go, down down go down the rabbit hole, hole now. <laughs> oh, godly. <laughs> yeah. So Bob Lazar is this dude who apparently worked at Area 51, mm-hmm. and um, he's a physicist uh, who apparently graduated from. 
MIT and Caltech. That's a very big air quotes, though, because the evidence around that is very nil. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have any records of him being there. But, you know, just, just, to, you know, just to say that, but he has one of the more compelling stories about UFOs. And, mm-hmm. he's on, and he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it's like, you know, an hour-long plus podcast. And he talks about the entire um, facility, and, like, mm-hmm. they were working on this uh, alien aircraft, potentially, and it was uh, a gravity manipulation craft so he was saying that you could look inside of it and there was a um like a a a dome like a crystal ball kind of dome Mm -hmm. and when you try to touch it you could not touch it because it had antimatter or it had a repulsion for massive objects and um he kind of went on and on and talked and actually described the technology of these area these um aircraft so it's like one of the more interesting um alien uh interview or alien um like accounts because mm-hmm. it's from an actual physicist um we did a whole two videos on it and yeah. i'm gonna of, have to check that out yeah but we we kind of well yeah we'll let you check it yeah. out but <laughs> people keep asking for follow-ups for it and yeah. things like that on the like on the actual um bob lazar has another video where he talks more in depth about the technology mm-hmm. um but i don't know me well i'll tell you me and Juan kind of settled more towards his bunk but of course you should Look at it yourself because it is yeah. very compelling. Like you He's, need to yeah. actually have a good analysis to be yeah. able to say whether or not yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't hear of it. It's really he. He's like, like you got to look it up. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Like I, there, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there about like actual alien like accounts yeah. um, in the U.S. I don't really know about. Mm-hmm. I'm more like I feel like my point of view of aliens is more from an astronomy point of view, and that I'm someone who looks out in the cosmos and I'm constantly asking what is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very natural to also ask who is out there. Yeah. Right, and as right. astronomers, yeah. um, a lot of like the public opinion is kind of like finding aliens as part of our job and part of our mm-hmm. field. Yep. And so how do I deal with questions like that? And as an astronomer, like, yeah, I would be super excited if we found yeah. aliens. Yeah. And aliens are definitely a, a compelling, like unknown discovery out there that we're mm. all secretly chasing. So, so Hannah, what, uh, the question for you is then if you could build, let's say if you got like, let's say you've got this massive re- ludicrous budget. Mm-hmm. If you could make your own like alien uh, detection agency, like how would you do it? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think uh, if we want to find aliens within our lifetimes, like mm-hmm. on a human time scale, because one of the biggest obstacles in my opinion on finding aliens is the fact that we as humans have not gone that far out into space mm-hmm. we haven't even made it out of the local neighborhood yeah um yeah. within our galaxy and our sure our galaxy is huge so yeah. yeah there might be aliens out there but part of the issue for humans is that we want to meet them we want to have evidence we want to have contact yeah and right now we just don't have the technological capability to go across those large swaths of space yeah so i would definitely say like first we got to figure out like faster modes of transport Mm -hmm. and i would not have the alien communication like operations based on earth i would want them to be kind of scattered in space around earth and kind of like a network working with Mm. each other too Um, so like a network of satellites Satellites are like space stations. You said hella okay. big budget, so okay. I'm gonna build. Going to <laughs> I'm gonna right. build yeah, space yeah, stations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> and put them everywhere. Cause also, like you know, it would be a very exciting, like you know, 
existential thing to make contact and hope that they're mm. friendly, but you also mm. have to consider the fact that they might not be friendly. Exactly. Because humans are not always friendly. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think we've that's heard the, why. Pocahontas, the Pocahontas story way too many times. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we do that on Earth, so there's yeah. no reason we won't do it in space. Exactly. Or they're going to do it to us. Exactly. Like, no, please. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think a network is like just, you know, coverage all around is a smarter way to do it. That way, if one side gets mm. attacked, you don't lose a whole operation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And that way, you get input from all the different sides that are working on it because you know if we're gonna do this you need input from people all over the world it can't just be like you know one US. or two countries yeah US. yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah that's one thing that's really cool about astronomy mm-hmm. um sana we were actually even talking about this a little bit before like it's just so um and actually you talked about this on, on joe's podcast too where astronomy is like it's such a social um, physics. You have to really work with a lot of different people from all over the world. It's like mm-hmm. you can't really be isolated in it. Absolutely. And I think one thing that is important to note is like especially for people who live in the U.S. or have grown up in the U.S., especially mm-hmm. like people our age or even our mm-hmm. parents' generation, like the after effects of like the 1960s, like space race is yeah. still culturally a huge part of the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like, psyche and like why NASA is still considered really cool, even though they keep slashing their budget. Um, yeah, but the U.S. Elon's is taking over, though. Yeah, the U.S. <laughs> is not the only country that has made strides in space. Yeah. And in fact, you know things like India like, just. That's what I was gonna say. I was about to plug India. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Israel's done an amazing job. So they are the only country to launch an orbiter to Mars on their very first try. Damn. Damn. Yes. Okay. Nice. Every Props. other country has blown up a ton of stuff mm-hmm. before they could do it. India did it one, which is very exciting. They also just launched a uh, lunar orbiter, mm-hmm. launched mm-hmm. a little little rover there. And the fact that India has been able to make these giant strides in their space program within the span of a few decades when mm-hmm. it took the U.S. like maybe 50, 60 years mm-hmm. to do so yeah. is, is very impressive. And they do it in a much more cost-effective way. Really? Yes. Okay, entire, nice. It's all, it all costs so less So it's a complete evolution in, in a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, nice. and the speed in which it happened, I think, is super notable. Sure. Um, and so ISRO is also launching a bunch of communication satellites mm-hmm. to um, uh, improve telecommunications within mm-hmm. India, and um, they're just developing a lot of really cool technology at a really fast mm-hmm. pace. Dang. And I think um, when I speak with, like, my American classmates and stuff, mm-hmm. not a lot of people know that. We're still watching... Right. For Elon Musk to keep like sending shit up into right, space, like right. oh he launched his car and it's like all right who cares <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it just did things that are way more like complicated and qualified and cool and that mm-hmm. are gonna improve yeah. technology around the earth right right um, we also have like the Japanese space programs and the Chinese have also put like built a lot of really impressive technology over the last few decades mm-hmm. and if you look at something like the International Space Station mm-hmm. even though from a U.S. point of view we see it as oh we have all these like U.S. astronauts that go into space mm-hmm. that's so cool they're astronauts but it really is a multi-country effort mm-hmm. and there are entire modules that are built by other countries mm-hmm. the u.s had to rely upon um, other countries space programs to take our astronauts up after the space um, shuttle program was decommissioned because we did not have our own astronaut transport capabilities mm-hmm. um, and so it's things like that about how outer space is so big and astronomy is such a large effort and we're just humans we have to work with people around the world in order to do it and i think that's part of why i said astronomers have a different vibe um yeah yeah it's because a lot of what we do has to cross international boundaries Mm -hmm. when you do that within a collaborative field like science it 
um, kind of changes the way that you do science because it's less about necessarily how you communicate, but what you're communicating mm -hmm. and being willing to put aside things like cultural or political differences to work yeah. together to this larger goal. Right. Yeah. That's such a beauty, beautiful thing about science is like it's it literally transcends everything almost. Mm -hmm. It's just like you're human, I'm a human. Do you know how to do some shit? Then you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're both curious. You know, it's like yeah, we're both on the same page then. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's why I love science. It's cool. It's like it. it I feel like astro uh, astronomy might be one of those disciplines where you get you you kind of have to be more sociable in a yeah. way. I think we were talking mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. Um like cuz I, I think I think back to my undergrad astronomy professor and he was like a he was like a regular dude. He he was like very easy to talk to. Yeah. Um more like I hate to say it, but more human in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's like something difficult you, to find inside of a traditional like physics department. Yeah. And, and it's like, wow, that's cool. And when Juan says physics, he, physics, he means a non-astro. So like right. what we do is condense matter, you know, and then there's other branches of physics like high energy. There's, um, I guess, would particle physics be the same as high energy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I'd put them adjacent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Nuclear physics. So yeah, there's different... Red, there's different regimes in physics. There is yeah. some arbitrary um, cutoff. Cut off, yeah. Them, but mm -hmm. it, it's like, yeah, it's 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 just a nice way to kind of keep people who are doing similar yeah. things together. And let's talk about that, the arbitrary yeah. Yeah. cutoff, because I was always like, my department was physics and astronomy, and I'm like, I mean, astronomy is physics, right? right? right. Like, yeah. why, <laughs> why, why put a cutoff here? Like, no, this is is it because. They're like those guys are way too cool to be, <laughs> you know. No, right, they're too. Like they're too normal. Like Maybe nowadays <laughs> they have lives. What do you? <laughs> no. They, <laughs> well, yeah, like what, what, would, you, what so would you say about that? I would say like yeah, that's true. A lot of universities do have separate physics mm -hmm. and astronomy departments, or mm -hmm. astronomy is often it's you know a standalone subject, like yeah. a cousin of physics. And I think a lot of that has to do with the history of astronomy. So people mm -hmm. have been looking at the stars for all of human history mm -hmm. and we've built up lore and astronomy kind of started first with you know people looking at the stars noticing the patterns and then over time recording those patterns yeah. in different cultures around the world figured out different astronomical phenomenon like mm -hmm. how to count the days the seasons eclipses right. all of that stuff mm -hmm. so um the fact that it has such very like i guess ancient non-science roots mm. and the fact that people pursue astronomy out of curiosity about something that we all see as humans mm -hmm. is very different from physics, where even though most people, you know, we are ruled by the physical forces, when most people are not wondering like, oh, what's up with neutrinos? But a lot of people do look up at the moon and right. wonder what's up there, what is it made out mm -hmm. of? Mm -hmm. And so also like when we think about the history of astronomy and academia, so I would say if you think about maybe the 1800s or so, when there's a lot of like academic institutions popping up, or back in the day, that's when astronomers would get telescopes, go look at stuff, um, or even Galileo's times, he'd draw mm -hmm. out everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, the way that astronomy was done in the past like couple hundred years in Western academia is different than how physics was necessarily done. Right, right. Um, and so I think that's part of why those subjects are often different. Mm -hmm. And also the way that they're studied and the resources that you need for astronomy versus physics are different. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's kind of mainly a, hi a historical divide that um, kind of keeps going on to this to this day. And like so then actually it sounds like we've kind of had even a, more of a convergence then 
Yeah. Because back then it sounds like people kind of you could get away with doing astronomy with not necessarily knowing so much math and physics, right? Yeah. So now it's kind of like they're like, oh, these things are completely like they're all relevant. So mm -hmm. they've mm -hmm. kind of converged a little bit in like, you know, a U shape, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I you agree know? completely, especially with nowadays we have things like nuclear astrophysics. Yeah. Or we have right. people with particle accelerators and mm -hmm. and lab equipment that try to figure out like what kind of atomic physics or nuclear physics mm -hmm. is going on in outer space and mm -hmm. we compare what we see in the lab to what astronomers see in telescopes. So I right. agree that they are there are definitely places where they're starting to come together, especially now that astronomy has gone from here's what we see out there to how do we explain what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it definitely connects with physics more and requires input from other areas of physics to be able to explain all the different mm -hmm. astronomical phenomena. So it's like, it's sort of like y'all are experimentalists in the sense yeah. that like, but, but it's funny that they still create a distinction because like experimentalists within like say condensed matter, right? Mm -hmm. They don't, yeah, they call it a whole different thing. Yeah. Like yeah. They, it's like no, I yeah. mean we're we're still part of condensed matter and it's split into the subgroups, theory right. and experimental. So so where would you see astronomy fit in in any say if you could merge, say if you could you wanted to consolidate like terminology mm -hmm. and save space or something. <laughs> how what would you put astronomy in nowadays, or where would you categorize it nowadays in most traditional like departments and like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think astrophysics is a good way of putting it just because now if you go through an undergraduate or graduate astronomy program, you mm -hmm. don't just learn, okay, here's Kepler's laws, here are the planets, mm -hmm. all that stuff. You yeah. also learn about things like stellar dynamics, which are dictated by things like radiation transport and like... Um, all right, yeah, dumb it down a little all bit. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so they're basically like, di like dictated by the different forces that's happening within stars and how these forces balance each other out over mm -hmm, time. And mm -hmm. that's physics. Yeah. And mm -hmm. those forces also exist outside of stars. They exist here on Earth and stuff. And so yeah. you learn more about the why from the very beginning, not just memorizing what's out there. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. it really is becoming more astrophysics than astronomy. But like within astronomy, we do have slightly different terminology. So what I do, I use telescopes to mm -hmm. take data so we are observational astronomy mm -hmm. so that's like the astronomy side of experimentalists because yeah. we can't control <laughs> you know we can't set up an experiment yeah. yeah we just have to look and wait for what we want to show up yeah. or look and be like whoa what is this right yeah. right uh, yeah. so there's observers but we do there are still theorists mm -hmm. who um start from like first principles or start from like okay there's this idea let's try to model an object with some equations or with some sort of model mm -hmm. and then and then go from there and mm -hmm. then we compare that to observation. And typically the astronomer theorists use a lot of programming, yes? Yes. Okay. Yes, theorists and computational um, astrophysicists okay. mm -hmm. do a lot of programming. Now, do you know anything about that side? Like, do, like how high of a level do you need to know programming to do that kind of stuff? Um, I will say the programming that's often used is very specialized. So mm -hmm. it's um, there are specific programming languages and like sort of software packages that have been mm -hmm. developed to perform certain modeling mm -hmm. or computational um, things. So it's kind of like getting to know a specific piece of equipment in the lab. Mm. Similar thing for a lot of theoretical and computational astrophysicists is you get to know this one package of software really well that mm -hmm. someone else has written and then you use it based on what you want to know. So there are people who are like developing new software. That's a whole other section yeah. of the field yeah. um, mm -hmm. as computer technology improves and stuff. Mm -hmm. and as we move away from older programming languages, a lot of this um, software is being adapted 
for the next generation of computational models. So mm -hmm. it's a fair amount of programming. I think if you can do that, you like you know will probably have the skill set or at least the ability to mm -hmm. learn the skill set to work mm -hmm. in like tech or something like that. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Um, but it's so you not can potentially get a job afterward. Yes, That's good. Yes, I think <laughs> you can definitely get a job afterwards. Um, but no, you it's not the exact same coding as like you know Google might want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you're gonna be a theorist. Do some coding. <laughs> yes. If the things don't pan out in academia, at least you can j get a job at the end. Oh yeah. yeah. No one, no one does like pen and paper calculations that much yeah. anymore. It's all, all on yeah. the computer. Yeah. Um, so speaking of models and stuff, mm -hmm. Planet Nine. Have you heard of this uh, mysterious planet you mean from Pluto? No. <laughs> People are saying there's like a, there's a sort of like dark planet that is in our. It, it, oh, Nemesis. Something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's even got a. It's got a bunch of names like the. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's it called? Um, spooky name. It's got a bunch <laughs> oh, of names. Yeah. I think. I think if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of, um, uh, sort of, not conspiracy, but there's like an underground sort of science kind of group that's a little bit. Underground science already sounds. <laughs> well, no, because they have they have a sort of idea that there's something there's more than there's a big giant exoplanet orbiting our solar mm -hmm. system. Okay, it doesn't necessarily. Well, that can kind of answer certain questions we still have within our solar system because there's Why, certain because it has some gravity signature. I. Th I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think the argument. Maybe you can yeah, attest to this. So I this is out of my realm. If we're realm. talking about the same thing, so I have also heard this theory of where the theory that there's a this dark planet, possibly a brown dwarf, like a star that didn't quite get hot or dense enough to start like nuclear fusion and actually mm -hmm. start burning. Yeah. So it's just this dark, dense clump mm -hmm. of gas that is not quite a planet, not quite a star, just this zombie <laughs> yeah. um, cycling through our solar system. And one of the reasons why people think it might exist is because we have cyclical mass extinctions here on Earth um, based off the fossil record. Mm. So one theory is that, all right, this, this dark mass comes and passes through our inner solar system once every however many hundred of millions of years. Yeah. And because it comes through, what it does is it'll gravitationally attract asteroids closer to Earth than they normally mm. would. So that causes asteroids to come hit Earth and cause these mass extinction events on a cyclical Very basis. Very interesting. So yeah. this is a credible theory. Well, there's a there's a, a recent video, but I forget the YouTube channel. I think it was uh, Ver Truth Veritasium. Something. No, it was <laughs> oh, Ver Veritasium. Veritasium, okay. yeah. Uh, they was asking, you know, people about this, and of course, what he gave both sides of the argument. One one guy thinks that it's it might be legitimate. In fact, he he gives a, a sort of list of what questions it would answer that we have about our solar system. Um, and like you're saying, it sort of it, it it attests to certain like human kind of anthropological history of disasters and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, among other things, there's a lot of other scientific like reasonings why this planet would exist um but yeah it's like uh it, it, it's i thought you might know a little bit mm -hmm. about this but it's but it's also very interesting because modeling is heavily used for that yeah um and that's one of the ways there that the guy the guy the guy in the well this group that's working on it is very um they're relying heavily on the models to kind of mm -hmm. give them the data because they, they can't really observe it they're not going to be able to observe it. They're trying to figure out how they can observe something like that. So, so, because, mm. because, yeah. uh, and this is something I kind of wanted to ask you actually. Um, 
how would you be able to observe something like that if it's outside of our solar system in the dark almost right like it's it's like finding not not even a needle in a haystack it's even probably worse, worse than, than that, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how the hell i don't know i i right what would you do how can you do that how could you approach that yeah that's a good question i mean what i would guess is first like we don't know that it's dark we just think it's dark because we haven't seen it yeah it could have a super eccentric orbit that's really really stretched out and long Mm. so it just travels in a very very like sort of thin like oblong orbit so it just comes in and comes out um, Mm -hmm. as it goes and there is precedent for that like pluto's orbit crosses neptune's orbit so there are objects that don't like that haven't cleared their own orbit, as we say. Yeah. It's not the main thing that's traveling basically on that pathway around mm-hmm. the sun. Um, it could also be that its orbit is just really, really, really huge. Mm. And what we've been looking for in the last, say, 50 years or so just has not it has not come back into our neighborhood. Maybe it's going to take another uh, 3,000 years to come back. Jesus. Maybe it, it's there. We just are looking for it at the wrong time. <laughs> Maybe when you see it, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's like that fifth element thing. You remember that giant sun? Do you remember that? No, no. He used to communicate with the sun. Um, Zod fifth or whatever it's known. Yeah. I don't remember. The guy, um, what's the guy who always is in every movie? Bruce uh, Willis. No, <laughs> but he's a really good actor that you don't know who he is. It's... um. He's the guy who played Commissioner Gordon in Batman. Oh, oh that dude. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Sure. There we go. Yeah, sure. he used to communicate with the guy in space and he would uh, make his head bleed. Oh, You don't remember okay. that? No, no, no. no. I, haven't seen that. I haven't seen that movie in a <laughs> yeah, long time. I haven't time. seen it in a while. <laughs> it's a great movie, but yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> You're like, it's like, that. What's, okay, so what does that guy communicate with? The He communicates with the, with the nemesis. <laughs> Oh, so you're saying this remember planet, when he, he communicated with, with him, planet. he was going to come destroy the Earth. Oh. Because the fifth element got unleashed. Ah, okay. So well, I'm saying that guy is nemesis. <laughs> communicating with the planet. And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's super interesting. I, I wonder, even if something like that exists. So we, we, we obviously have, we don't have all the answers for, like, what's going on in our solar system, right? Even right. then, you would think, oh, we've discovered a couple planets. and But there's still a lot of questions, right? We. Mm-hmm. Could, off the top of your head, do you know what the most recent sort of big discovery you could say that's like, oh, um, like this was kind of a recent answer that might surprise you or something? Like, um, I think the discovery of Kuiper Belt objects and trans-Neptunian objects is very exciting. Mm-hmm. So what that is is um, out beyond the orbit of Neptune, out where Pluto is, um, I think this was theorized first in the 60s mm-hmm. um, by a physicist named Jan Oort that there is this... Oh, the like, Oort cloud. Oort cloud, okay, yeah, yeah. That the Oort cloud is out there, and this is thought to be the origin of many comets that mm-hmm. come um, into our solar system. Mm. And the Oort cloud was theorized for a very long time, but we didn't have observational evidence really for it until um, we sent probes out there. Uh, and like the New Horizons spacecraft, which went and took that amazing photo of, of Pluto. Pluto, yeah, because yeah. uh, that's past. That's is that in the uh, Kuiper Belt now? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going yeah. through there now. Is it taking images? Um, yes, it's detecting other objects. I don't know what it's done most recently since okay. it's um, passed by through there, but it's definitely. But it's reaching, like still operational. Everything. I believe so. Okay. And Voyager is cool. out there too. Voyager one and two yeah. made it out there too. So, kind of looking at this 
what we think could be the edge of our solar system. Mm -hmm. Because even though we have an idea of what that boundary is, when you start looking at the boundary, it gets a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And so being able to confirm the thing like an Oort cloud and that we can use the orbits of objects as they come into our inner solar system Mm -hmm. to figure out where they're going outside the solar system is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And there are um, like Kuiper Belt objects and trans-Neptunian objects that are bigger than Pluto. Wow. So there are several ones. I think there's one called That's Haumea. That's why Pluto got demoted, right? Part of why it got yeah. demoted. Yeah, it's okay. a dwarf planet now. We found <laughs> things like Haumea that is much bigger. Mm. And so there are these larger bodies. And um, based on following their orbits, it's like, all right, are they fully gravitationally bound to the sun? Mm-hmm. Are they moving around the sun the way the Earth is? Or are they just stuck in between two larger bodies? Are they doing their own thing? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think investigating this, these outer reaches of our solar system and discovering that there are a lot of bigger stuff out there yeah is really exciting and really cool and something to keep an eye on in the next few years yeah because like uh, i I, it kind of blew my mind that this the sort of the 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 ward cloud or the the sort of uh, the the belt yeah it was this asteroid belt was kind of Mm -hmm. a recent sort of experimentally verified i think yeah i didn't realize that either i thought we just knew about that forever like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was theoretically predicted. We just didn't have the technological capability to yeah. go and see it right. until very recently. It's nuts. It's kind of yeah. like the whole black hole thing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, we've known about black holes forever." You see yeah. all these oh, yeah, renderings and things. Like I've seen black holes all the time. Like, no, these are all artist renderings. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That was another spectacular. Yeah. That was um, nuts. Yeah. yeah. Achievement. Yeah. And yeah. I'd like also like to ask or add. I think that the New Horizons or the Event Horizon Telescope mm-hmm. to obtain the black hole picture mm-hmm. is a really good example of how astronomy needs to be an international collaborative effort. Because mm-hmm. like, they made a giant telescope essentially, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they connected, I believe, eight telescopes across the world with the baseline kind of like the, it's like using a telescope with the diameter of the Earth Yeah. Yeah. Um, to obtain this imagery and it involved like a high level of collaboration between people who speak very different languages, mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. backgrounds, and who operate in very different countries to come together, pool their money and resources together to pull it off. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and I thought the way that they announced it was really cool, too, because they did kind of a, a rolling press release across the earth um, oh. where each of the different home teams you know, announced the, the um, photo and mm-hmm. the results to their own home country. And so they were able to put out this press relief release in uh, many different languages which is nice. very exciting doesn't always happen yeah <laughs> um, yeah but also uh it was just like a message that traveled around the world um and i thought it was a very exciting and collaborative way to make scientific announcements instead of just doing it like once okay 9 a.m yeah. eastern standard time right, like, right. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool i didn't even think about that yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i watched it live because everybody was saying it's gonna be picture of the black hole and then i was like i looked at it i was like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's actually really a big achievement, but it's it like, is. you know, it's, it's just funny. Cause it's like this, this built up thing. And then it's just like a little pixelated image. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much, there was so much going on in that one image. Mm-hmm. It was just like really impressive. Once you actually start to break down and it was of course confirming all of Einstein's everything once again. And you know, yeah. And the fact that we can now observe regimes that are not, light observations. So what I mean by that is most of what we see in astronomy is because we're receiving light from outer space. Mm. But there are objects such as black holes that suck in all the light so the light Mm -hmm. can't escape Mm -hmm. so we can't see it. So things Mm -hmm. like um, this Vent Horizon telescope photo where we could see the the surface of the black hole based on what's around it Mm -hmm. and things like gravitational waves Mm -hmm. finally allow us to look 
at places without light, which we've never been able to do before, and is going to open up a whole new set of physics and astronomy. That's right. Cool. Well, here's the thing, though. With gravitational waves, though, they're still going to be limited by that hard speed limit of light. Yes. So we're never going to be able to see anything past, you know, since the Big Bang. But that is still pretty cool. I was, mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I was like, is that going to let us see things that we cannot see with light? But then I was like, it's still going to be bound by the speed limit. So I don't know. Is it actually going to shed any new information? I think the, it's going to shed new information on compact objects. So compact objects are objects like white dwarfs, neutron mm-hmm. stars, and black holes that are very, very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some exciting versions of those are things like pulsars, which spin really fast, mm-hmm. or magnetars. And mm-hmm. so these are objects that are um, very dynamic or sometimes very easily detectable, like pulsars, because they mm-hmm. shoot off these high, high rapid beams. And so mm-hmm. we can figure out the distances to them. But how they're created isn't fully well understood. And so as we saw recently with the neutron-neutron star merger, that type of merger will release gravitational mm-hmm. waves and is the source of things like our process elements, which are mm-hmm. heavy metals. Um, everyone was really excited about all the gold and platinum. Yeah. <laughs> so, but things like that, like, yeah. yeah, where do these yeah, heavy yeah. elements come yeah. from? And yeah. we can finally see it. And so being able to understand the origins and dynamics of compact objects mm-hmm. is very important because those are the kind of objects that create elements yeah. and drive evolution basically and by evolution i mean they say how do galaxies form yeah. over time how do stars and planets form over time mm-hmm. so it really affects the evolution um of so like cosmic like, evolution cosmic evolution mm-hmm. there yeah. we go okay yeah yeah we've had a biologist on here several times uh, <laughs> talking about biological evolution so i just yes. want to make that distinct for yes viewers cosmic, <laughs> cosmic evolution yeah, yeah. that's interesting Dang. So w- w- you mentioned magnetar, mm-hmm. right? What magnetars? What what type of Pokemon is that? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Put them. <laughs> I had to. He's here all yes. night. Folks. He's yes. here all night. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's it's so cool. Like I I it, it's I, I was teaching my nephew about like astronomy and like it's it's so profound. Like you know, thinking about like the origins of life are with the stars, right? You have to really, th- that's really what it is. And it's, it's, it's like, it's sort of, um, it's sort of a natural LSD moment that you yeah. have in nature, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, I'm, I have came from stars, we, man. Yeah. Very existential. <laughs> yeah. 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 I imagine, do you feel, I, f- I feel like, I feel like like physicists in in like office settings have to kind of stick their heads in books more often than than looking at the stars and everything. I feel like do you feel like you you have more of a connection with the universe in a way or or or, or your your profession? I mean, it's probably you do you feel a deeper connection like with your job in that way? Yeah, I mean, I pursue astronomy because I love it and it's something that I've always just had this innate like motivation for Mm. i don't really know what it is but i just it's always interests me and i know that's just the direction that i want to move Mm. in um one thing i will say about astronomy that like a lot of my friends and family that i've talked to about this they're just like it's so big like don't Mm. you feel so like small compared to the size of the universe Mm. it's like yeah we are small and insignificant in comparison with the size of the universe Mm. but for me like the way that i would describe it is i know about the sun if I go near the sun, the sun's going to kill me, but the sun doesn't necessarily know about me. So mm-hmm. kind of the knowledge and trying to gain understanding about these really big, exciting things out there is mm-hmm. what makes astronomy very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And 
like it makes me feel good knowing that uh you know even if we just like completely fuck up earth which mm-hmm. we're not going to get into that but you know <laughs> yeah, that is an issue on climate change yeah. so yeah i don't know it gives me peace as a human to think i will never fuck up more than this local environment and the rest of space is going to be fine like stars mm. oh, are going to keep burning the galaxy yeah, is going to yeah. keep going cool shit's right. going to keep happening yeah. like it's okay we will never mess up enough right the universe <laughs> to, is not going to give a fuck about us exactly like, yeah. Yeah. The day. yeah yeah it's all going to be okay yeah you know don't sweat it right yeah. Or yeah. unless Planet N- uh, Nemesis comes and like, <laughs> I'll finish the job for you guys. Yeah, but I mean, that's bad for us. It yeah. might yeah. be okay for Nemesis. Nemesis right. is probably like, hell yeah, lunch. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> Nemesis is actually like a giant, like cosmic whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah man, it's, um, yeah, that, that that's, yeah, I always try to see like, because I imagine if I, because right, right now, I think, I think humanity doesn't appreciate the fact that there's, uh, sort of a light show going on up here that we we, mm. we don't even we're so we're so removed from our connection and I feel like that's a connection with the with the universe like right away that you can experience like the when was the last time like you went out to see the stars and it's just like wow actually it was kind of recent okay just because um there was that meteor shower yeah you remember the meteor shower there's supposed to be August. some yeah some impressive meteor shower i was falling asleep the whole time <laughs> so unfortunately i didn't see much i mean i think i saw like four meteorites i wish i, w- I wish i would have had like a telescope or something but i only had some cameras i was trying to get video and of course that doesn't work either mm-hmm. you need so, a wide aperture you gotta do a long yeah. exposure so you get the streaks yeah exactly so i was in complete amateur hour and i was just falling asleep <laughs> but i was like damn i really should have um thought about this more but that was the last time i looked at yeah. the stars and i can actually see them yeah so like I, I i had the one moment i had this was before i actually got into physics but like i was out in like west yeah west texas in the middle of nowhere and we were like in, in a camp we we're camping out and um i hadn't seen I, i'm a city boy so like i had no fucking idea yeah. i thought I thought the star. I thought that shit that they showed you on CBS, you know, for <laughs> like nature, like cosmos stuff. I was mm-hmm. like, that's all like CGI stuff. You yeah, know? or like some real. really high tech photography where they yeah. like do long exposure exactly. and all that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah. oh, I've seen Photoshop. It's cool, but yeah. A- anyway, <laughs> like I was like, oh, you know, when you look up at the sky in the city, it's just like a couple stars, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I went out there and like really just, I just laid my head back and i was like wow this is like real (laughs) holy shit like i immediately had like it was all yeah it was like a sort of a high that that i got from it it was like just looking at it's unbelievable because you can even see the milky way you're like what no i didn't even think i could really see that no exactly and just seeing that i was like wow that's mil like millions and billions of like planets and solar systems or whatever galaxies galaxies like all there and i just it blew my mind and it it really like it was kind of a spiritual moment it's weird Mm. like Mm -hmm. um but yeah it it, it's like i feel like we're totally robbed of that nowadays like Mm. um yeah i mean that's definitely something that's come around with modern human life Mm -hmm. as Mm. our days are no longer dictated by day and night or the cycle of the sun and we have you know lights and everything Mm -hmm. you know we see the stars a little bit less and Mm. um like even though i'm one who like 
does look at the stars a lot. Like one one of the most exciting things that I've experienced in the last few years is traveling to the southern hemisphere and like confronting the fact that they have completely different stars than we do. The mm. northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere see different constellations. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And um that was really exciting because for me, when I like travel across, let's say the continental US, mm -hmm. the sky is always a source of comfort because I'm like, all right, I can always figure out where north is or like this is a familiar territory yeah. that comes with me everywhere. But mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Australia, it was completely different. And they're like completely different constellations. The kids that grow up there, they have the Southern Cross as opposed to the Big Dipper as their, right. their guidance. Um, uh, that's towards, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. And that's something we don't really, really think about, even though constellations and stars are very much a part of our of our culture in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so used to just seeing Orion. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, Dipper, yeah, yeah. Got it. All yeah, right. Yeah. 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 That's so crazy. Yeah. If I didn't see that in the sky, now I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, that'd be very confusing. Yeah. And actually from the Southern Hemisphere, so Orion's kind of there, but he's not a constellation because we're looking at the stars from a slightly different angle. So mm. here we're used to him just, you know, his shoulders, his belt, yep. his knees. He's like That belt upright. is so distinct. Yeah, like exactly. You can pick it, it really out of the lineup. Yeah, he's upright. <laughs> he's ready to go. But if you look at him from the Southern Hemisphere, he's a little more stretched out and his dagger, which normally hangs below his belt, is actually mm. like up in his chest, like he's getting stabbed by it. And oh, so the wow. stars are actually even just traveling rotated south. Yeah, yeah, because we're looking at those stars at a different yeah. angle. That's right. Cool. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I've never, I just realized I've never seen a constellation any different than what I've seen. <laughs> I've never been outside the U.S. Yeah. So. Dang, me either. Now that I thought about it, I'm like, wow, just seeing a whole different sky. Yeah. Like, it just shows you how limited our just how limited we are as humans, how yeah. localized we are as beings. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. just even with our own earth, like yeah. you just move to, or go to a different part of the country and you're just in a, yeah. or in a different continent, you're in a completely new world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I do this professionally and even I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's like naturally humbling though. It's, Absolutely. It's really cool. Like, um, I feel like, I feel like the world needs that sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. just like, whoa, like, you know, like I've been actually thinking like, why, I'm not going to name names, but like, why, why don't, why doesn't our, I guess, what's a better way to put it? How, how feasible do you think it is for, for anyone to really start like uh, an astronomy group, like an amateur astronomy group? I think it's pretty feasible. Um, so many communities have like uh, astronomy clubs, our community has one. And basically all you need is, like find a, a park somewhere with, with a clearing that's safe that you can meet up in at night. You need maybe one or two telescopes or you don't even need telescopes. You can mm -hmm. even just meet and look at the constellations, find out about the history of them, um, why they're named that way, the myths associated with them. And mm -hmm. if you like another cool thing that I think local astronomy groups can do is like if you go once a month, you'll see changes in the sky mm -hmm. as Earth goes around its orbit. So you'll be able to actually see the passage of time and see how our mm -hmm. sky changes slowly over the course of the year. Really, right. it just takes a group of people who want to meet together at yeah. night and make the effort to go to go mm -hmm. and look and learn about what they're what they're looking at. Right. Astronomy is very accessible. It you is. can get it a is. lot of out of it without having happening to do any physics with it right yeah you mm -hmm. can just you know it's just all there right there you know yeah the most cool the most fun parts are <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yes and that's you know the gateway to it that we yeah. all that we all get and i think exactly like, even like astronomy is something you can appreciate even if you're not a hardcore scientist or an astronomer that's one of my mm. favorite things about it 
is that everyone can derive some type of joy yeah. from astronomy. Mm-hmm. And even that little bit of joy is like, you know, totally worth it. And, you know, no one should ever be shamed for only just thinking, oh, the stars are pretty because yeah. they are pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I feel like immediately like embarrassed when I tell people what I do. Like if they're asking me, oh, what do you do, physicist? I'm like, they're like, okay, get that. But then like, what do you do in physics? And I'm like, condensed matter. And they're like, Okay. Yeah. Like, what are you <laughs> like, talking? It's a fancy word for solids and liquids. And then they're even more confused. Like, <laughs> why would you study solids and <laughs> <Yeah>. liquids? <laughs> so it's just like a rabbit hole of just like, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, no, I was thinking, um, like, uh, fuck, I'm blanking on it now. That I think. <laughs> I'm just like, um, let me see. Where, where was I? What were you saying? <laughs> I was talking about uh, condensed matter and no, uh, no, no, about the accessibility of astron- astronomy. Yes. Okay. Yes, I yeah. lost the train of thought. Damn, actually. okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> I didn't have coffee today. Oh. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we should talk about some time. We're at 47 minutes here. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about time. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so yeah. Actually, it does have to do with time. Oh, let's oh, go. Oh, hell yeah. Let's, let's go. go. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, this is my transition. See, I was going to get to this, oh, but fuck. My, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> so, um, speaking of time, in this, nat- this sort of like natural cycle that arises from being an astronomer, do you find that there are more night owls in the profession? Um, sometimes. Actually, no, not not entirely. Yeah. I think, well, because, so astronomy, you've got the observers, yeah, you've the, got the theorists, the observer, but yeah. not all observers actually operate the telescopes. So I am one of those night owls that operates the telescopes. So yeah. Not everyone does. Um, so I think a lot of people start out as night owls when they're younger, but over time, they're like, nah, we'll leave that to the, <laughs> to the yeah, grad well, students yeah. to stay, stay up all night. <laughs> yeah, fuck all that. Yeah. yeah. And so nowadays, like, um, just in, in my experience with, like, professors and researchers, uh, it's easier to not be a night owl in astronomy because we have technology that takes care of stuff while I we see. Sleep. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I have this night owl gene in me that it's mm-hmm. just like, I'm Same. Just, Oh, just like, dude, I wish I could go to bed at a reasonable hour. <laughs> nope. That's and, why I work at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's super fascinating because I was thinking like, well, you know, I'm I'm like part Native American and some of that Native American is from the, um, basically the, the, the Mexican sort of peninsula, you know, where, where there's like uh, Aztecs and the Mayans and they have mm-hmm. a rich history of like, looking at the stars right and stuff and they build the, the, their greatest legacy was building a calendar and telling the time Mayans, right yeah yeah and and like if uh, i mean if you want to look at the history of timelines like the Mayans and the the aztecs were like separated by time like a considerable amount of time i believe mm-hmm. um but they believe that the same the same people still inhabited the region so there was just like the rise and falls of, of, of civilization so their legacy was was trying to f- map the stars, and then this, in a way, we're mapping time, and like, mm. so this is a natural segue yeah. to, to to whatever Terrence wants to say about. Oh about well, time here. <laughs> I didn't have anything in particular, but I guess um, what I was just thinking of was you know just just time itself is very an interesting subject. So I mean, you mm-hmm. can explore that many ways, but. Um, I guess one thing that has to kind of do with time and astronomy was, you know, I remember you even mentioning this at one point, one where mm-hmm. you were saying like, it's kind of interesting how astronomy is like this thing that only exists in a blip of time because it's almost like, um, with light, we all know light 
has this cosmic speed limit, right? Mm -hmm. So after a certain amount of time, there's going to be no light left to observe. So astronomy has like actually like a, you know, it's got a time, a time limit to it in a sense. And, you know, the further we keep going in time, you're actually losing that light. You know, you might see in one instance of time, you know, tomorrow a certain galaxy could not be in our view anymore or several galaxies. I don't, I don't really know how the details, but you know, this is a real thing. Have you ever, ever thought about that and how you're kind of in an interesting spot in, in life? Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of, um, astronomers make the distinction of, we talk about the observable universe instead of just the universe of the 13.8 billion light year sort of radius that Mm -hmm. we can see. Um, and it's supposed to be like 90 billion or something, right? In theory, but we can't see it. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Jeez. Um, but there might be more out there, but we are limited by what we can see. And the the other cool thing, so um, the, a phrase that's commonly used is the further away you look in space, the further back in time you're looking. Mm. So if we're looking at a galaxy that's 200 million light years away, when we receive that image here on Earth today, what we see is what the galaxy looked like 200 million years ago. Right. So... Um, that's often actually how we study the historical um, like expansion and just the mm-hmm. history of the universe. Mm-hmm. Is as we look further out, we look further back in time and try to reconstruct what mm-hmm. happens from there. That's so cool. It's like you're literally looking at snapshots of history mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. It's kind of freaky. It is. It is. <laughs> it, is. it is freaky. Yeah. And that's like why time is one of my favorite things to like delve into an existential crisis about. Yeah. Because what does it mean and why do we care if things happen at the same time or not? Mm-hmm. And like, I wanted to ask you two about time because I feel like as physicists, we have a different understanding of time than a lot of non-physicists do because the way that we're often taught physics is first you start with like a static system, no time dependence. Mm-hmm. You know, you're given, okay, here are a bunch of particles, calculate the forces between them at a certain instance in time. Then once you understand the basics of that system, then we always add time in. We never really jump into the time-dependent part from the beginning. Yeah, right. Because, you know, as things change over time, it gets more and more complicated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for us, like, time is a parameter, not an observable. And yet it's still an integral part of how we describe things like motion, how we interact with what we're studying mm-hmm. with. Um, often you have to do experiments for a certain amount of time, and we kind of take that for granted. Mm-hmm. But also, mm-hmm. we're human beings, and time is a huge part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, at least for me, like, I feel like I've aged since I entered grad school, but that's mm-hmm. me taking a certain amount Probably of time. Probably more rapidly than normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Assigning, for all of us. Yeah, and assigning yeah. a meaning to it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you think about, okay, does 20 minutes on the telescope for me feels very different from 20 minutes watching a TV episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are physically the same amount of time, but they are completely separate entities to me. That's very interesting. And that was actually one of my questions too, the perception of time. Mm-hmm. Have you also noticed, yeah, so have you also noticed that like you have different perceptions of time as when you were younger compared to when you're older? So like when you were a kid, I remember summer vacation felt like, literally like it was like, when are, are we ever going back to school? I don't, yeah. I don't know if we're ever going back to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now it's like summer vacation feels like, oh, God, it only was this short. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. it feels like it, it's already over. Yeah, that has to do with uh, the pie pie model of aging. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. No, so so when you're so when you're one. Yeah. You have the whole pie. Right. Your yeah, whole life yeah, is yeah. that one year. Yeah. But then when you're two, you know, it's 
those are two big slices of pie yeah. right there. <laughs> but then when you get to 10, you're like, oh, you know, I've lived one tenth of my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, I, I, I'm kind of like seasoned now. Mm-hmm. So as you get older, those segments of time, like time is much more segmented and and like the passage of time feels much less significant mm-hmm. than it did because you have so many years behind you right in time. like it's so strange but yeah it's like it's just, it's a very psychological thing mm-hmm. um, now let me add to that so mm-hmm. i've noticed i think a way to almost hack that perception of time though mm-hmm. i think i figured out s- somewhat of a way i've noticed that i feel like there's a longevity to my time frame mm-hmm. when i'm doing more interesting things more times i feel like i get locked into a a speeding or like a really quick effect when I'm doing the same thing over and over again, because it's like, I think it's, it's a thing in your brain where since it doesn't feel like there's a distinction between the days, it's like, they might as well just be the same day. Yeah. You know? And I feel like, you know, when I do a lot of new things or if I'm doing, you know, something I'm not comfortable with and I do it often, then I feel like it stretches out my perception of time. Yeah. So I think maybe that's also a key part of it is when you're older, you've done everything. Yeah. So when you do a lot of stuff, nothing is really novel. Nothing is new or novel. Yeah, so yeah. I'm always, I feel like I'm constantly chasing novelty mm-hmm. and I do it. I do it with music. I do it with everything. So it's like, I feel like, you know, if I can keep thinking of new things or if I keep doing new things and I have more of a longevity to my perception of time. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up an interesting point that, so for us, here as humans, we're living on Earth. Time is like a constant thing that's passing. We all agree on how long a second is. And, mm-hmm. you know, our days feel longer or shorter based mm-hmm. on what we've done. Mm-hmm. And so we have this like inherent assumption or understanding that time plods along at a constant pace. But as physicists, we know that is not entirely true. Like we have like relativistic um, like right. phenomenon in yeah. which... Time uh, literally exists. It's yeah. different in every you know dimension. It's different, different space. dimensions. Different sort of parts of a system will experience time differently. Mm-hmm. And for me, as a physicist, like like I said, those are still two kind of separate things. Even though they're physically the same thing, time from a physics point of view is very different from time that I experience as a temporal being whose mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. is sort of dictated by time and who has a finite amount of time to live my life. Right. And it's like trying to figure out where do those two merge is just like kind of a, an existential crisis I love diving into because mm-hmm. you think about it like, all right, if I'm like, you know, marking out time, what is happening in between like my hand marking each second? Mm-hmm. We can define it in terms of motion, but that's still, you know, saying, all right, my hand moves up and down in this span of time. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's a recursive definition what is time in its essence Mm -hmm. now i think there is no time so i've had this conversation with a buddy of mine Mm -hmm. where i think there is no time if you don't have any change so i think literally if there's nothing changing that means that time increment does not exist i think you can only have time when energy exists so something has to be happening to have time but can't you have a system that's static or like has a constant And you can still energy? give that a time. Yeah. Yeah, but nothing would be changing. Like that would yeah, be so kind of arbitrary though. But yeah. I think yeah. it's like you can assign a time to it, but I don't know if it actually has any real meaning. 
Yes. So, so assigning time is part of what time is and that, you know, we have to say, all right, we're starting this now and then we're ending this now. And in between is the time is passed. And so Mm -hmm. we can define the edges of it. Right. But still, that doesn't tell us what exactly are we measuring. Right. So maybe you can even do some weird thinking and say that time didn't exist in that moment when nothing was changing. Yeah. Yeah, you so. could define it in that way. Like yeah. if, if the universe was <laughs> static, yeah, there would be nothing. there would be I think would you be consider nothing. it no time. No time. Yeah. There would be nothing. Um yeah, it, it's like the action um it's this whole thing there there's a philosophy of physics that tries to study this kind of concept mm-hmm. of time and like we we look at like units. So if you go to um you know, there are certain principles that we try to follow that helps us solve problems, for instance, mm-hmm. like the principle of least action. Right. And I think um, that one and and what we mean by action in physics is like energy. If you look at the units, it's energy times time. And that's always been confusing. (laughs) But but this is why. Action's so deep. It's like still eludes me to understand. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like it's very like a lot of the time we brush these things off and just do the calculations and just move on. But um, but there are actual like philosophy of physics people. trying to tackle these concepts and it's like what is time right um, right and Do you remember we spent like two hours just debating action before yeah we did so but <laughs> I'm, that's why i'm a little scared to go down that oh, road i'm not gonna go down I that road like i still don't get i'm not gonna action. go down that road but <laughs> but it's a but it's but it's it has to do it's it's almost fundamental because if you look at like a unit like h bar right yeah. it has units of action like yeah. it's energy times time. You're scaring me. It, it is kind of nuts. <laughs> it, it is nuts. But but if you look at but people have played with this concept. Um, for instance, uh, there's a movie with uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jared Leto. That the has Joker. The, well, the new Joker. But yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. He's the old Joker now because oh, Joaquin he's the old Phoenix Joker. is yeah, the new that's Joker. True, that's true. By yeah. the way, the movie looks sick. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the trailer? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> no, how come? I don't know. I'm just like the movie looks dumb to me. You I'm think? Just, I think it does. It might be cool. It might be cool. I'll watch it when it's coming. It's got out. Joaquin Phoenix. He's a crazy he's, bastard. He's, so I see he's it. a great actor. Yeah. Um, I loved him in Signs, by the way. Signs, Signs is underrated. Signs was a little bit goofy though. Man. Signs is underrated, man. Dude, Have they you couldn't seen Signs? open the doors yeah. though. Everybody underrated. This is the most. It's like if they can't open doors and then they're like allergic to water. That's kind of. What stupid. if they're aliens that don't have thumbs, man? Have you considered that? <laughs> if they if they can figure out interstellar travel, they can figure out how to open the goddamn no. door. Okay? Well, if their thumbs Not can't. Necessarily. <laughs> they're like, what is this? How can't, do they open this? Grab yeah, I can't grab that things. That is just goofy. That's funny. <laughs> hey, that's evolution, man. You don't you don't know where it takes you, man. Um, but it is dumb that they landed on a planet that's ninety something. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're afraid of water. water. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta it's a, drama I somehow. Behind, yeah, I can't get behind. It's an it, allegory, so. man. For you know, the aliens are demons, but we'll get into it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we're on time, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the units for that are, are, are oh yeah, the movie with Jared Leto. Yeah. Uh, this movie actually, it's really cool because I'm gonna spoil it. Spoiler alert! Which one? It's fine. on Netflix. It's wait, what's it called? I don't know. Okay, that's <laughs> all right. I'm probably not gonna. Watch if you know it. what it is, comment. Oh, put, put is it, it on the Mr. Comment. Nobody? Yes. Okay, I have seen have that. You seen that one? Yes, okay, yes. okay, yeah. Okay, do you want? Maybe you're the guest. Can you can you like recap us? Uh, what, well, what's what your it? point? 
No, the movie, the movie synopsis is. Oh, she would know from the movie. Yeah, she knows from the movie. How is she going to know your point? Yeah, she's seen the movie. Okay, if I remember correctly, it's like this guy who gets. Is it reincarnation or he has like different alternate lives? Something like that. Yeah. It's basically like, oh, it's like, um, like based on certain events in his life, his life could have taken different yeah. trajectories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's getting into many worlds now. But it's time. But it also <laughs> deals with time. Yeah. So at yeah. the end of the movie, the trajectory, he's like an old man. Or no, the, the, the movie's being told by an old man. And then at the end, you learn he's like, those are all those possibilities convert. I think if I remember correctly. Converge like, to the same point. Yeah. and uh, And he's like, oh, time is... Time is sort of um, an illusion or something. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a mind-blowing revelation. But what yeah. was cool was that at the end of the movie, the clock turns back. Oh, so at that moment, like the that's universe, cool. the universe goes backwards, and now the movie is told in reverse. Right, so right. he's like, "There's no distinction between this this time right. and the reverse time." Also, that's how they they added a new element now, showing that the the symmetry of time. Yeah, where the arrow of time is, you can have well, not all systems though. Yeah. Some systems have a symmetry of time. Yeah, you know, but then others don't. You know, the classic example they say is like you know, I was just watching something Leonard Susskind. He said, you know, Humpty Dumpty falls off the wall. You know that that arrow of time is not a. Um, not reversible because mm-hmm. you know you, the 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 particles of Humpty Dumpty are not going to just assemble back and then put it back together. Yeah, That's going to yeah. require a lot of effort and energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can be done, but the likelihood is very small, and it's going to take yeah. a very difficult system to do that. But then something like a billiard ball, you can literally play that in reverse, and that is a completely reversible system that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting element. It is. It's, it was. It was cool. But yeah, that that deals with like you know rever- time reversibility in certain systems, like you're saying. And, you know, um, I was actually thinking of another interesting thing. I don't know if you guys seen my headphones are all messed up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw there was an article about um, entropy being reversed in a little experiment. So somebody was doing a quantum experiment. Oh, I think and then they found a this. way to make it so that um, energy decreased in a localized region. And of course, then you know what happens. People on Twitter and Facebook start putting up, uh, you know, dynamics like new. No, they're putting up even worse than that, saying like we have time travel is possible now. Oh, okay, <laughs> they took that jump. All right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Bert, the comedian Bert Kreischer puts it on his page and says, you know, I knew it. Time travel is possible. <laughs> you know, Bert Kreischer is <laughs> yeah, the guy yeah, who is, yeah. Uh, the machine. The machine. Yeah, yeah. He, he went to FSU. Has his shirt off all the time now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he he put that up there, and then I was like, no. The thing is. Like, the only way that would make sense is if you want time travel, I guess, in that sense, that would mean that literally every single part of the universe would also have to turn back entropically, I guess. It also mm-hmm. means causality has to be reversible. Right. So, yeah, you'd have to violate causality somehow, probably. But I think, in theory, if you could maybe reverse every single process of the universe, then time travel would be possible. Mm-hmm. But, l- like, a, a local reversal is not time travel i guess you could just i don't know i guess you could consider it a weird version of time travel in a local region or something Mm -hmm. but non-locally i think if you want to have real time travel every single thing in the universe would have to be reversed in that instant as well yeah i think like when people get very excited about time travel there's this implication that okay like i am the traveler i 
messed up something yesterday. Yeah. I'm going to go back the day before and be able to redo it with the knowledge of the first pass through. Mm, right, right. And stuff, so like a Groundhog Day uh, right, situation right. type thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, in theory, you know, if we could reset time and go back, but maintaining that information is something that we assume like want like we want it to happen we assume it might happen but that's not really a part yeah. of right. time reversal on a now that is violating year. something probably yeah yeah so if you want a complete time travel it'd be like you'd have to undo everything so even like those neuronal pathways that were formed once you knew those information bits mm-hmm. would have to be undone too so it's almost like pointless to, un- to undo it or yeah. i guess maybe you could accidentally do the right thing but, yeah but then it, yeah. then you have to boil down to okay what is the smallest reaction and what is the smallest sort of interaction like perceivable or that can exist in the universe that you have to undo to be able to go back in time yeah Mm. and well the funny thing about the perception of time and like stuff like that we're so like we kind of considers or we we kind of consider ourselves in a way at least i do independent of time like i'm i'm an observer of time i don't partake in it in Mm -hmm. a way like you you know what i'm saying you got to get a little bit deep with it so I when I look at a clock, the I don't have an internal I mean I have an internal clock, but I don't have a clock that knows every time I know what time it is. I don't. Like I have to look at the time, I have to observe time to really sort of get an idea. Okay, so you of don't intrinsically on. have a sense of time. Well you kind of do though. Your your biological clock does. Like you're like, okay, it's, it's time just to like eat. A, it's just like a broad it's like a coarse sense of time. Like a clock would be a fine-tuned sense of time. Yes, yours is like a core sense, but I still. But say it's you still have an based on. But it's still based on your own like biological mechanisms that are just kind of like you know what I mean. Like I don't know if you would yeah, feel. I personally don't feel tied to like time because I'm like I could kind of eat whenever I want. I don't have to eat when I'm like um, like breakfast or whatever. But it's still um, like, that's what I'm saying. It's still like a coarse measurement of time. Sure. Because, like, yeah. you're going to feel hungry probably around the same time. Yeah. You know? But so if you maintain a schedule, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But if somebody like me, like, mm. I am I feel like I'm asynchronous. Like, I don't... Like, you can't sit there and go, all right, that's been three minutes. Like, is that yeah, what you Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your um, body might inherently know that, okay, you usually eat every, let's say, just an arbitrary number of eight hours or something, right? Yeah, but you had already put it on a schedule. Like but I'm no, just, let's say if you're off a schedule too, and then your body's mm-hmm. going to be hungry another eight hours later, and you might not realize it's eight hours, uh-huh. but it could be around eight hours sure. time frame. So sure. you're still on some kind of clock. Sure. But I mean, like you could always say, nah, I'm not going to eat or something, you know, I'm just saying, I, mean, I, I, you're I, saying I but I don't, I'm not really binding. Like you're still tied to a sense of time. Like, sure. Are you meaning that you are not aware of your time, like being tied to time, like yeah, in your thought th- process, like. Time is not really a huge factor or like yeah. you as a conscious being. Yeah. Like, even though your body might send you signals, you might have external signals. Yeah. Like you don't, you can't sit there and like estimate how much time has passed since. You yeah. I have down. a bad, I have a bad sense of time. But that's also, you're talking about also ascribing a number to it then. You could say like, oh, maybe you don't know how much time has passed, but you definitely know the difference between five hours and. But I'm saying minutes. it's quant, like you're, you're you doing know. a quantitative, like if. No, I'm, I think there's no quantitative. quantitative. That's what no, I'm saying. No, no, no. I know, but I'm saying like you can't have, you don't have a built-in quantitative like no, clock. No, that in still your doesn't head. mean that you don't have a sense of time. You have a sense of time, but like you, I feel like there's no. People don't necessarily, at least for me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just projecting, but like I, think, I feel well, I think, like I, I don't know how you're interpreting it though, because I think you do have a sense of time. I mean, you can clearly tell the difference between ten minutes and five hours. 
Sure. I think you two are talking about slightly different things. I think Terrence <laughs> is saying that like you still experience time, yes. yeah. so that gives you like an idea of the time scale. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Juan's saying that like it's um, not like like you don't have a timer in your head, or rather that your experience of time does not necessarily pertain to the same time scales all the time. Right. Like, you know, one day it's not to t- pertain to the same time. Scales. Yeah. So like you said, the example of like 10 minutes versus five hours, yeah. you know, like yeah. 10 minutes on like, let's say one day you haven't eaten a lot of breakfast. So mm-hmm. 10 minutes on the treadmill is going to feel really different than five hours walking around like Disneyland or something. Yeah. yeah. But let's say the next day you have like a really good breakfast. You have lots of sleep, lots of energy, even though those 10 minutes on the treadmill and five minutes at Disneyland are technically the same amount of time to him and his internal clock, they're going to feel completely different. So he's yeah. going to be like, that can't be the same amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Like when you sit in a I'll lecture. I'll give you that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think it still, still, still goes with what I'm saying because I think yeah. that's still... Well, yeah, you the have, experience you have, of time is an important part Yeah, of that. you have kind of a... Um, there's like a wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell the difference between like, let's say, several minutes. You may not be able to tell the difference... Or you can tell the difference between minutes and hours, let's say. Mm-hmm. But you may not be able to tell the difference between five minutes and 15 minutes, let's say. But that's just because your your internal clock mm-hmm. is is not as fine tuned as a mm-hmm. actual clock. Well, you have a you have a coarse measurement of time. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they've done experiments with this. They've thrown people like in a dark room, I guess, or in a room, like not and how knowing, often not knowing time how. Skills, though? Um, I don't remember, but maybe we can uh, reference it at some okay. later point. <laughs> I would be skeptical. I would if say, it would be hours, like if it would be like an hour versus ten minutes difference if someone was in there for 10 minutes and said oh i was in there for an hour if that was in there for an hour and said 10 minutes i'd be very shocked well it was apparently a shocking result that's all i gotta say it was it was like because they're trying to see like do we have an intrinsic sense of like time and And stuff the conclusion was no the conclusion i can't remember the conclusion but i remember walking away being like oh okay Okay. Well, if you you gotta find it next time because I I would be shocked actually. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But all I'm gonna say is that. But I guess it makes sense because maybe if you don't have external stimuli to keep a reference, so we actually kind of take it. We kind of have a take take it for granted granted because we we have a reference with the sun. You know, we have um, our hunger. I guess you could say even. You know, we have a lot of different references. We have people that come into our lives and, you know, we know what times they kind of come in. Mm. You know, so those are kind of, those could be biases. So I like that setup because if you're in a room with, let's say, a, a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. I actually have heard people say like, oh, it just was like, oh, that's how long I was in there. You know, and maybe it is like you mm-hmm. may not be able to tell the minutes between hours. Yeah. So maybe you could be right. There yeah. is no internal But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it to me, my relationship with time is very, like, I don't have a sense of time there are certain cultures that also don't put a lot of emphasis on time like there mm-hmm. obviously there are cultures that are very strict about time and like germany they, uh, <laughs> yeah 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 i wasn't gonna say it, but <laughs> no nah, i'm just kidding but uh but yeah it's like um so, so for me it feels like i'm i'm an observer of time i don't really live in it in a way mm-hmm. but at the same time we do have a physical i mean einstein's equation show that we our physical bodies do are, are, are affected by time in a sense that like, you know, we we're thinking and it kind of blows my mind because if there's a planet somewhere, earth, like 55 or something orbiting some sun mm-hmm. and some other galaxy or whatever. And their gravitational pull is such that their time scales are much operating in a much faster clock than ours. Mm-hmm. 
So they're thinking faster. They're thinking like, right. you know what right. I mean? Like we're over here thinking super slow. Like, right. <laughs> it's just like, I always feel that about like chipmunks and squirrels. And like, <laughs> what? I'm like, they're so fast. Like <laughs> I wonder how their brains are going too. Yeah, like, even yeah, though they yeah. may have smaller brains, it's like, are they, they're probably thinking about things faster than us though. So maybe not, maybe, not, maybe they aren't as smart as us, yeah, but yeah. I wonder how fast they're actually thinking about stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious about that because like, they're the- not smarter than us, but they might think faster than us. Right. So maybe it's like, is, is, the, is, the, is the speed of thought actually a good metric for how smart something is? That's maybe not. Point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They, they, do, they do experiments yeah. with elephants like that too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I, don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Once again, I can't remember. Yeah. We'll have to be better prepared. <laughs> These are just coming off the top. Yeah. You know. So, uh, we're, yeah. We're getting at an hour know. 15 here. All right. I know, I know. But, um, I mean, we'd love to talk some more, Sana, but I know you got things to do, too. You're a busy lady. Yeah. So. This was fun. You know, yeah. if you want to talk again about aliens in time, I'm always Oh, yeah, there. definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> yeah. Especially we got to be more prepared, though. We're going to have to, like, really shell out the conspiracy for you. Yeah, I'm going to oh, bring yeah. I'm, I'm going to do my homework next time, yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I did, like, delve into a weird Wikipedia rabbit hole the other week, but maybe we'll save that for the next show. On aliens? Okay. Oh, hell yeah. Or do you yeah. not yeah. even want to tease it yet? Um, so I recently learned about HARP and, like, this conspiracy oh, theory about oh, hurricanes. Just with, like, Hurricane Dorian recently, yeah, everyone's yeah. like, Oh, that's harp. That's harp. <laughs> that's <laughs> and funny. It was oh, there you go. Bonkers. I lost like not lost. I enjoyed two hours. <laughs> yeah, some of these <laughs> are very entertaining. Your advisor would probably say Insane lost. Insane stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Okay, All we can right. get into it later. Um, but yeah. but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, mm. thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. And stu- uh, stay tuned for the outro, guys. Yes. You guys did it again. Y'all survived this episode. <laughs> thank you for the true fans. Um, was this an hour and fifteen? I don't know, but probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You guys are beautiful. You know, because we clearly can't tell time. Yeah, we can't. I can't tell time. I'm time. Exactly. I'm temporally challenged, and so you know. Uh, so yeah. But yeah, thanks for listening, and make sure to do everything we requested in the yes. beginning, which is like, comment, subscribe, share, share. Uh, not the singer. Share the thing. Share the link. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, and the Twitter at Eigenbros yeah, yeah, yeah. and Eigenbros.com. And yeah, guys. And more importantly, check out our guest um, episode on Beyond Physics. Um, yes. It's a really good episode. That's Sahana's episode. Sahana's episode. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Um, I guess. You're off the top of your head, real quick. I know this is kind of a, an extension, but like summarize. I, I guess if you could remember like summary of what what that kind of conversation was like beyond the physics physics. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, so i had a good time talking with joe and irene about uh being a woman in physics being a woman of color in astrophysics and kind of some of the social um issues that the astronomy community has faced over the last few years Mm -hmm. uh we also delve real deep into aliens and the physical philosophical uh, topics of aliens so if this wasn't enough alien talk for you today definitely check that out we do it for like an hour (laughs) hell yeah go Um, okay see there you go so check that out and thanks for listening see you guys peace I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show?